0: Hello and welcome to Net Zero for Nothing, the podcast from the National Home Improvement Council, connecting industry, government and householders on the pathway towards zero carbon homes. I'm your host, Anna Scothan, Chief Executive of the National Home Improvement Council. And in this episode of Net Zero for Nothing, we're going to talk about the home of the future with NHIC member partner OVO Energy. OVO partner with NHIC member Corgi to deliver top quality home services through Corgi Home Plan. In this member series we introduce member companies of the NHIC to listeners and where we'll get to know better the thought leaders and inspirational people from across the home improvement sector. The NHIC has been around since the early 1970s and our strategic priority is to clearly demonstrate the positive contribution existing homes make to the climate emergency, while delivering skills for life, improved occupier health and well-being and putting an end to fuel poverty. Let's get straight into it, into today's episode of the Net Zero for Nothing podcast by welcoming Alex Thwaite, Head of Commercial Sales and Operations at OVO. Welcome, Alex.
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: So much for joining us today. I know you're keen to talk to us more about the home of the future, but before we get into that, I'd like to find out a little bit more about you. You've not been with Ovo too long, but you have worked in the world of housing energy supply for quite a while, including a time working in domestic renewable energy, solar storage, and electric vehicles. I'd love to know how you first got interested in this exciting space.
1: Hi, thanks, Anna. Um, Interesting question. So. I've always loved renewable and sustainable energy and um, I've pretty much done it since I left school, so about 20 years, and first got into it through my dad. So he was in a corporate role, took early retirement and um, created a a surveying business and it was surveying for energy efficiency measures. So you took back in the day a little bit, loft insulation, cavity wall insulation, that type of thing. Um, So I went to work for my dad. Um, and then went to work for another national installer, domestic and general insulations, again, cavity wall, loft insulation, that sort of stuff, and then moved across to one of the sort of big six energy suppliers, and were always in the um, low carbon or renewable heating space with those, and then recently moved across to, to OVO. So I've always been in the space of renewable, sustainable, helping vulnerable customers, um, reducing energy bills, all of that sort of space. And that's the bit that I love really.
0: And, and it's fascinating because you, you've got that, um, the, the home side of it, as well as the energy supply side of it and energy generation. So you understand what needs to be done to the house as well as the energy supply, which is absolutely ideal for the work that you're going to talk to us about today. Um, So now you're at OVO and their corporate mission is to drive progress towards net zero living. Now, OVO, um, I've been on their website and they describe themselves or you, you describe yourselves as a collection of companies with a single vision to power human progress with clean, affordable energy for everyone. Stating that the climate crisis is humanity's greatest challenge and that the OVO group organizations are all working together to lower their own collective carbon emissions to zero. Fantastic. This is absolutely what we need. Large energy companies where we need their minds to be. Could you tell listeners a little bit more about OVO and why zero carbon living is so important?
1: Yeah, of course. And um, so, like you say, we're a collection of companies. So we've got the retail business, which is the energy supply, which is obviously really important. We've got our Calooza business, which is the, the smart platform that does the flexibility and the optimization piece. We've got Corgi Home Plan, which, um, you know, really strong brand out in the market, and um, can deliver our maintenance and services. So together, what we're trying to do is is really reach net zero. Um, And for OVO, sustainability is really important and it forms our our sustainability strategy, um, which is Plan Zero. And that's actually one of the reasons why I joined OVO, was their their sustainability strategy. It's so so strong Um, and it includes our commitments to achieve net zero emissions across our operations, and support our 5 million customers homes in eliminating their household emissions by 2030. And we know that one of the challenges of reaching net zero is around household emissions. So obviously that's what, what I'm interested in. Um, and we know sort of renewable energy, batteries, EVs have taken sort of center stage in decarbonizing the UK's economy, but the fossil fuels to power homes still account for around 17% of our total emissions. And not that much progress has been made so far. So in the long term, we're committed to ending sale of fossil fuels. And we know that this decade is going to be quite, quite pivotal. So OVO's 2030 vision for supporting our customers and eliminating their household emissions is not just about providing products and technologies that cut carbon, but doing it in a way that actually puts the value generated from energy decarbonisation directly back into the consumers' pockets. And we can do this by creating homes of the future, so what we class as zero-carbon homes. And they consist of a few key elements. So firstly, it's fabric-first approach, making sure the homes are, are insulated correctly so that they've got a great base for retaining the heat. And then secondly, just electrifying the heating systems, so replacing fossil fuel systems with more efficient Um, heating such as heat pumps
0: yeah and and it's interesting that you mentioned um because i imagine listeners to this podcast it's called net zero for nothing they they have an understanding of why we're trying to get to net zero and what that means um and i i they'll have probably also heard a lot about government having a drive to um in their 10 point plan for a green industrial revolution the buildings element of it is around 600,000 heat pump installs a year. So they've governments have obviously identified heat pumps as a technology solution towards driving towards zero carbon um, or driving down emissions generated from heating, hot water, energy use in the home. Um, but you mentioned fabric first. So clearly something's got to be done to the fabric of the home that the, the walls, the doors, the windows, the roof, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts around that? What, what do you mean when you say a fabric first approach and then ele- electrifying the heating system?
1: Yeah, so when you're, when you're looking at electrifying a heating system um, and really specifically looking at air source heat pumps, it, it's got to be able to, to work efficiently. It's got to be able to be in a property that can retain the heat initially in the first place. So having a leaky house... And replacing a fossil fuel heating system with a, a new efficient SLT pump won't work efficiently because the heat that you're generating will just um, dissipate through the, the walls or the roof or the doors um, and it just won't, won't be efficient. So what we mean by fabric first is almost looking at it from a whole house approach. So initially, is your home, if it's cavity walls, is it got cavity wall insulation fitted? Have you got enough loft insulation up in your loft? and you might have had it done 10 years ago, but the regulations may have changed and you've got 150 mils worth of insulation up in the loft, but actually really you should be looking at 300 mil. Um, Have you got double glazing? Um, Have you got uh, an energy efficient front door? Um, If you've got solid wall, which is a little bit more difficult, sort of harder to treat properties, but could you look at having external wall insulation or internal wall insulation done prior to transitioning from fossil fuel to um, renewable heating. So once you've got a house in a state where it's really efficient and retaining the heat, that's at the point when you'd look at, okay, can I transition across to a low carbon heating system?
0: So a customer, um, an OVO customer, let's say, can't just, or any customer, I guess, can't just say, oh, my boiler's coming, I've got a combi boiler in, it's coming to the end of its life soon or it because oftentimes most people will change their boiler when it breaks um and it's quite an immediate we're without heat we've got no hot water we need to get a new boiler in but actually that's the time when you want people to transition over to a heat pump but they need to have done the preparation beforehand don't they because you can't just it isn't a like for like
1: um replacement job sure and I think that's where the journey for the transition to net zero starts. Um, And it's around, you may not need to replace your heating system right now, but what are the things that you can do to get towards that, that point in time when you're gonna change, but will also make an impact for you individually and the planet now. So for example, if you haven't got enough insulation in your home, whatever heating system you've got won't be as efficient as what it could be because you're going to be losing heat through either the walls or the roof or the windows. Um, And also you'll be paying more so you can make small incremental changes now that won't cost the earth. So loft insulation doesn't cost a fortune um, to install and you could actually buy it and install it yourself as long as you're careful up in the the roof space, obviously. And they'll make differences to the efficiency of your home and also the running cost of your home now because it will save you money by being more energy efficient. Now, I'm sure this isn't an easy topic for an energy
0: retailer to get into. Your customers rely on you for 100% renewable electricity and also gas for heating, cooking and hot water. But in the long term, you are committed to ending the sale of fossil fuels. And that's a big ambition for an energy retailer to say that they want to end the sale of fossil fuels. How are you at OVO going to do this?
1: Yeah, so we're going to help customers towards zero carbon living, and that's creating zero carbon homes. And we know that businesses have got a huge role to play in that, creating the technology, the solutions, the customer propositions to deliver it. Um, But we also know that government and policymakers have have got a big role to play in ensuring that policy supports the transition towards net zero. So we know the current policy framework, particularly particularly for supporting consumers in switching away from fossil fuels to low carbon alternatives, isn't quite where it needs to be. And we're hoping the up and coming heat and building strategy will address what we see as the, the four main sort of barriers for the rollout of low carbon heat and that's upfront cost, operating costs, skills challenge, and also consumer behaviour challenges. So on upfront costs, there's more than 1.6 million gas boilers installed every year in the UK, compared to around 30,000 heat pumps. So there's a good reason for this. A heat pump cost is around eight to 12,000 to be installed compared to sort of two to three for a gas boiler. So, The government need to look at plans to reduce VAT across the heat pump installation cost stack and also bring forward grants, which we believe should be prioritised for low income households. Then on operating costs, I don't know if you know, but around 23% of the green levies sit on the electricity side of the bill, whereby only around 2% sit on the gas side of the bill. And that means it's significantly cheaper to keep burning gas for heat than to switch to an electric form of heating so the government have got to take action to address this disincentive that was protecting those at risk of fuel poverty and then there was an article out i think it was last week and i'm pretty sure it was the times where the government are actually looking at that green levy and the decarbonisation of energy costs and moving it from the electricity side of the bill to the gas
0: yeah it's interesting you mention that because i'm actually just having to switch myself and I was looking, as you do once a year, you sort of look at your cost per unit and cost per kilowatt and gas is so much cheaper. And of course, in my day job, talking all about, you know, electric heating and, and moving towards renewable and, and moving towards an electric um, sort of system. You think, yeah, but my electric's three times as expensive. How is this going to work? So you've just explained that really well. And it, it's around this disincentivisation and, and levies that are put on. And only
1: government can change that, can't they? They can. And the way, if you get in a really efficient heat pump, and this is where it goes to the fabric first approach on the building as well, they should be around three times more efficient than than um, your gas boiler But you need that house to retain the heat to get the efficiency. So that's one thing. So... If the gas bill or, or, or the gas unit price is three times um, cheaper than electricity unit, um, you get in the, the, a low-carbon heat system or a heat pump that's three times efficient, should be around parity. But because the levies are sat on the electricity side of the bill, it just doesn't quite work like that. So if we can get that um, policy framework shifted across so it's, um, it doesn't disincentivise that transition, that will be a huge help. I would be. And you, as a, as a lay
0: person, you sort of think, well, why would government not do that when they're driving towards zero carbon? They're investing. They've set all of these challenges to industry. And yet they've got a thing in the background that's making it almost impossible for customers to say, unless a customer has got loads of money and says, well, I really want to save the planet and blow to the cost. I'm going to have a heat pump anyway. So it's really, really um. Challenging, doesn't it? It makes it makes for a challenging market. And you can see why organisations like yourselves um, and other members of the NHIC and and indeed the NHIC, why we why we um, try to influence government to connect some of these dots together.
1: Exactly. If we want to incentivise mass market adoption of low carbon technologies, we, we've we've got to lobby and get policymakers to make the key decisions on, on that electricity and the gas side of the bill. And then we've also got skills challenges around heat, heat pumps and, and low-carbon heat. Talk so, a bit more about the skills challenges. Okay, so the Heat Pump Association um, estimate that by 2035, we're going to need about 44,000 heat pump qualified installers. And that's up from about 1,800 that we've got in 2020. And we know the skilled workers are there but the government have got to incentivise companies to take on new installers but also provide existing gas boiler engineers with the incentives to to upskill and to make um, retraining opportunities more attractive. Um, We know that there's a huge pool of really skilled qualified gas engineers out there that just need that incentive to take the next step in trying to be a heat pump engineer and then can help with that transition across to net zero. So am
0: I right in assuming then that a fully qualified gas engineer can't automatically do a heat pump installation? They need additional training to um, to enable them to, to do that additional um.
1: Element of, of service for a client? They do. So there's probably a couple of key points to this part actually. So, from a, a qualification tick box, yeah, there's an extra qualification, it's a level three. Um, and that would mean a gas boiling engineer complete the level three heat pump qualification, and they can install a heat pump. But at OVO, we also believe there's a little bit extra to that, and it's around specific manufacturer training. Um, so dependent on which heat pump manufacturer um, unit you're going to install, they have different specifications. Uh, and um,
0: Just the same as boilers. Yeah, a a, exactly. a Worcester
1: boiler is different to a Baxi boiler. Exactly. So different yeah. requirements for the different units. So, so it's not just about the, the qualification. It's about the specific manufacturer training. It's about mentorship on, on site, Um, additional support so yeah. Cool
0: so not only do we need um, existing workforce to have additional training packages we also need more engineers to do this work because if if as with government targets is 600,000 a year that's a lot a lot of extra work that's got to happen in people's
1: homes. It is for sure. Um, And like I say, we know we know the skilled and qualified engineers are out there. It's just making it attractive um, to to take that leap of faith um, and do an extra qualification and sometimes at their own cost. And that can be paying for the qualification in itself, but also taking the time off work. We know a lot of the engineers in the industry are self-employed, so don't work, don't earn. so there's there's got to be some incentive there for these guys to invest their time and their money, um, and, and we need the demand to be there to support them to do that.
0: Absolutely, you've hit the key hit, hit the key there. Um, and then you mentioned a fourth element around behaviour. What 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 are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so uh, around sort of consumer behaviours, and policies got to support consumers in in changing away from um, gas boilers, probably at the point of of least friction, um, maybe when they're moving home. So the recent power, and I think everybody saw it with the stamp duty holiday, the surge of of, um, property sales. And I think that makes a strong case for the introduction of a a green stamp duty holiday for purchasing or selling a retrofitted home.
0: Absolutely, because... If you don't have to pay your stamp duty, you've got some spare cash that you can um, invest in the quality, performance
1: and efficiency of your home. Absolutely. And that's going to benefit, again, the whole transition. So you as an individual with your home and your bills and your running costs, but also the planet.
0: Absolutely. Well, you've, you've sold me. So you, you've talked about um, that the homes for the future, the homes of the future are the ones that we're already living in. So this isn't some kind of space age, we're all going to move into new build homes that look a bit weird. The homes that Ovo see are the future are, um, it's music to my ears, living in a 300 year old cottage, um, is that it's the homes that we're already living. Um, but as householders, we've got a responsibility to understand how our home is performing, and that comes through your energy performance certificate, your EPC that you got when you you bought the house, Um, and and to look at how we need to improve the performance of our home, and that's through a fabric-first approach and a whole-house approach so that we can get prepared for a transition towards renewable heating. And, and organisations and, and you at, at, at OVO specifically are working to help government to see where their policies are not aligning and are causing unnecessary friction to enable this journey to happen.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. We're, we're working closely with government and lobbying um, for the, the sensible policy changes that, that make sense. Um, and I hope... Over, it, it's not all what what we need. It's also what what can we as an organisation do, and we're making um, some commitments around our own engineers that we've got in house around reskilling and diversification, um, and also helping customers on their own journey. Um, we've got, and again, it goes back to the the journey of the of the transition to net zero. It's small things. We've got. Um, an app called Greenlight that's available to our members and will be coming available to non-members that just gives customers insights on how they're using their energy, um, what appliances are using energy, um, at at what different times of the day, and gives them insights and it can compare this week's energy usage versus last week on your heating and your hot water and so it's little things around understanding how your property is working and how it's using its energy and retaining the energy Mm -hmm. and there's things like smart meters um, and in-home displays that give you a, a, a really good idea of how you're using your energy so it's it's starting the journey on the transition to net zero yeah
0: for sure now then as you know this podcast is called net zero for nothing you've mentioned a couple of things that I think you're going to say are some some answers for us but what can listeners do from today from hearing this podcast for nothing or let's say less than a hundred pounds that would make a huge impact on their domestic energy bills and prepare their home for the future so what can people do uh, for as close to nothing as we can get it.
1: Okay. Um, can I be cheeky and give two answers and push the £100 boundary a little bit?
0: You can give as many answers as you'd like.
1: Okay, so I'll, I'll give some less than 100 and then I'll give some that will push the envelope ever so slightly, but can make a big difference. Um, so I think for less than 100, you can probably look at behavioural changes that you could do for free and then also some things for, for less than 100. I've got a good example and um, what I do actually so my tumble dryer I know I need to use it but I know it's a really high energy usage device and um, so I normally do two loads of washing because one load wouldn't be enough to put into the tumble dryer so I'll do two loads of washing and put two lots into the tumble dryer and use it once as opposed to twice um, ah, I've got another good one that's um, it's actually a science experiment from my stepson So when he was at school and um, he did an experiment around brushing your teeth and leaving the tap on. Um, So when you leave the tap on, when you're brushing your teeth, it actually uses uh, his experiment was just purely for him. So it wouldn't be average across everybody. It was about 20 pints of water as opposed to turning the tap off while you're brushing and then turning it back on. So, again, from a sustainability point of view, every time somebody's brushing their teeth, it's 20 pints of of water wasted. That's a a huge element. And also onto you, Bill. Um, You've got little things like, you could install a smart thermostat, which will allow you to use your heating in a more energy efficient way. I know that's probably on the boundary of 100 pounds. You could, we spoke about it earlier, insulating your loft with loft insulation. Um, A lot of people will have done that, but then the loft hatch um, they don't insulate or draft proof, so you can do that really cheaply from any DIY store um, and insulate the, loft, the actual hatch, physical hatch itself, to keep some, some heat retained in. You could um, hot water tank jacket on, on your water tank if you've got one. I think you can get those for about twenty quid. Um, so if and, and lag the pipes up in the loft, so they're all sort of low. Um behavioural changes or low cost things that you could do and then sort of pushing the £100 boundary a little bit, but can make a big difference. Um, thermostatic radiator valves on your radiators. Um, I know if you've got, say, eight or ten radiators in a property, um, it it would be a bit more than 100, depending on what type and, and quality TRVs you got. But you could buy a couple and start. So, for example, if you've got um, a spare bedroom that doesn't get used a lot, you could put one in there so that you're turning that, phys- that physical radiator down um, when it's not being used, so you're not wasting energy. Um, another good example, a thermostatic tap for your bath. Um, and I did have a look, actually. they were You can pick them up for about 100 quid. But if you think when you're running a bath, you normally run it with hot water and then you top the cold up to get it to the temperature you like um all of that hot water that you've paid to heat um and then you put it in the bath and then you're using the cold water tap to cool it down and um, so you could get a thermostatic tap that could um it to the temperature you like and then you're not wasting energy or money that way so there's a few Fantastic. different things
0: yeah so they're good things um and and i think as well even just if you don't know it, checking back, you know, what is the, or you can check on the internet actually. Um I did it recently for this place. You know, what what is your energy performance certificate rating? Where are you? And um, and then thinking, you know, some of the suggestions there, what what can we do to improve it? So That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been fantastic to hear from you and um, to hear what OVO Energy are doing. Um, And thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode of the Net Zero for Nothing podcast from the National Home Improvement Council, the voice of home improvement. Be sure to follow us across social media, searching for at the NHIC and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podbean for future episodes. And don't forget to check out the show notes for links to all the references Alex has mentioned during this podcast, as well as other key hints and tips for achieving net zero for nothing in your home. Thank you for listening to this episode of Net Zero for Nothing. Connecting industry, government and householders on the pathway towards zero carbon homes.